Well, good morning. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for joining us, bearing the weather. Those of you who watch it online, thank you. We had a bit of a curveball today, so we had to move our 9 o'clock service indoors. But as Lindsay said, we're going to try and push that through October and week to week. We may have to make changes. But at some point, we will have to come in. And, you know, when we did our survey, uh, we really felt like our, our pressure point would be that 9 o'clock service. So if you're somebody who's able to come to the 1030 service, don't have kids, whatever, are able to do it, that would help us if you came to that service just as you're planning or continue to come to this service um, just as we're planning to move for the, the colder months, November, December, and beyond. Wow, there goes somebody zipping by on a motorcycle, huh? Apparently they didn't see the road close sign there. Did, who got, anybody get, have to go back around today because they came this way on Fletcher and had to go back around? Thank you for your honesty over there. So yeah, I did a rod. Is a famous race in Alaska. It's over a thousand miles. Uh, there's teams of dogs. The mushers are called the riders, and, and they race. And it, it takes days to do this. It's really a, a great sporting event. But do you know the original Iditarod was not a sporting event? It was a rescue mission. There was 1925. There was an outbreak of diphtheria in Nome, Alaska. And they need to get the serum to the city. They could only train it as far as Anchorage. Then they had to rely on dogs and their sleds. So they set up a relay. All told, it was over 150 dogs, uh, 20 riders or mushers. And they did it in record time to save the lives of thousands of kids. It's interesting that I only share that because a rescue mission has now become a sporting event. The church was launched as a rescue mission. Like the kids in Nome, people were dying spiritually. And Jesus commissioned the church to go. We still on mission? Or have we become a sporting event of sorts? I'd like to refocus us again this morning as we'll be doing these last two weeks to think about what is our mission. So if you've got a Bible, if you'd open to 1 Peter chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 1 and we're going to go through verse 10. And we're going to wrestle with this question, what's our mission? What is our mission? So our passage starts this way in verse 1 with the word therefore. Therefore is always a connecting word. It connects us back to what was written, and particularly in verse 23 of chapter 1, that we've been born again. So Peter says, you've been born again. Uh, Peter says, assuming that, or with that in mind, putting aside all, and he's going to list five traits here that chip away at community, that destroy relationships. Here we go. Put aside all malice. Malice is the, the Desire one way or to do harm to another. The next two I'm going to lump together are hypocrisy and deceit. The Greek word there um, is to act. And remember, as an act, you're, you're playing a part you're not. So Peter says, don't do that in your relationships. I'm happy I'm friendly your friend, but I really don't think that. Put away hypocrisy and deceit. Envy. Anybody been envious before? Okay. Isn't that a great feeling? Somebody's got, they're popular, they're 
good-looking, they're successful, or, or, or their kids are successful, or worse, their grandkids are successful. And you got to go, oh, I'm so happy to hear that. But inside, you're dying. I wish I had that. Peter said, put that away. Envy. Uh, last one to put away is all slander. That's, I'm not going to physically attack you, but I'm going to verbally attack you. And I'm gonna, you're probably going to know what's going on. These things chip away at community. And Peter's going to be talking about us as a community here. This is not a singular you. This is a plural you. What's interesting is he doesn't say replace those with a bunch of virtues. Be kind and good and sweet. And that's not what he says. He says, like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the word. Why? So that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. Grow in respect to salvation. What is that? Well, salvation is an event and it is a process. The event is this, before coming to Christ, you and I are absolutely controlled by sin. We're rebellion to God, and we're meeting legitimate needs illegitimate ways. God is not in the picture, and we're doing all kinds of stuff to meet those needs. Christ comes in, He forgives our rebellion, He restores our heart, and we, begin to weigh, we can begin to live the way God designed us, and we can meet those needs legitimate ways through Christ. But that is a process because we've spent a lifetime learning these coping mechanisms, these illegitimate ways. And Peter says, I want you to grow in your understanding and the way you live. And that means specifically that we put away things like malice and envy and slander. Why? Because, see, as we grow in respect to our salvation, we find out our worth is not in our performance. It's not in what we do. It's not in how good we look. It's not in how much money we have. And see, if that's not true, my worth is no longer in how I look, how I perform, how I this. And I meet you, and you're funnier, you're hand, more handsome, you're smarter, you're quicker, whatever. You're, I'm not threatened by that. Because, see, my worth isn't in that. My, my, my worth is in Jesus. And I, I can legitimately be happy for you when you have success and you find popularity or you get money or you get your good looks or whatever whatever it is. Or I see on Facebook, you had a good vacation. I could actually be happy for you instead of be envious of that. Boy, it looks like your vacation was better than mine. Because my worth isn't there. But then Peter puts this caveat. If you have tasted the kindness of the Lord, kindness and goodness are interchangeable there. There's, there's a Psalm 34 Verse 8 says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Have you tasted and seen? Do you know that the Lord is good? When our oldest son was a little guy, and we introduced him to the swimming pool, he wasn't too happy about that initially. We kind of had, you know, he's little, he doesn't have any choice. We just took him in. But, you know, he got accustomed to that. After a couple times, he got he liked it. And so we were at this apartment, and we would walk towards the pool. All of a sudden, he would take off on his little legs with a little sprint. Because, see, he had tasted the pool. It was fun. And he didn't realize, dude, you need to be in there with me or your mother or you're going to drown. But that didn't bother. Man, he was after that. This was good. What happened? He tasted and saw that the pool was fun. And he, boom, he goes. Do you have that experience with Jesus? Peter's hoping you have. 
And he's presuming that, that we've had that, and, and, and that, that, that it frees us up. So, so there's some questions that come from that. Um, have you experienced, let me first, have you experienced God's goodness? Second, do you understand that all of us need to be growing in our respect to salvation? It's something, it's an event and a process. We have no idea. We have no idea of the, the depth of the love of Jesus and the beauty and the way that can transform us. And do we understand the priority is God's Word? If you've had a child as a parent, you understand the necessity of milk. Now, if you would say no to those experiences, Peter is not going to shake a finger at you and say, you, you need to get it together. He's pointing you to Jesus. He wants you to experience Him. When you experience Him, you will do that. So, so we have two sons. One is a senior-ish at Wayne State. The other is a freshman at the University of Nebraska, UNL, here. And so we've gone on college visits with both. And you know, it's the visits are, are the same. They want you to experience the campus. They want you to be in the student center, and they want you to see the library, and, and there, there's the rec center, and there's, there's this. Why? Because as you experience that, you'll fall in love. They want to see if they can get you on campus. Because it was local, our younger son, uh, he hit the university a couple of three times, and I remember going to the time, and I, I asked him in the visitor center, is it okay? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they want to get you on campus as much as they can that you experience. That's what Peter wants. He wants us to experience Jesus. It is not a checklist. It is, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. That's what he's calling us to. So in verses 4 and 5, uh, Peter's going to shift. He's going to stop talking about us. He's going to start talking about Jesus. He's going to move from nourishment, and he's going to talk about stability. And here he goes. Uh, and coming to him, as to a living stone which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. Look, this idea of people rejecting God, it goes all the way back. It goes all the way back to Genesis in the garden. People have been rejecting God a long time. But that doesn't change the fact, even as people reject Jesus, that He is choice. He is chosen by the Father. And then He speaks to us, and this is a plural you. You also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood. There's metaphor there you need to understand. A spiritual house. In the Old Testament, God revealed himself in the temple. He said to believers, you are being built up as a spiritual house. Church, church, you're a spiritual house. You are the vehicle through which God is going to reveal himself. He's going to reach the world. We are on rescue mission. And he calls us. We're being built into a, a spiritual house for a holy priesthood, holy is set apart priesthood. Priesthood were go-betweens between God and humanity. In, in the Old Testament, they offer sacrifices to God on behalf of humanity. And they spoke to people on behalf of God. Do you believe in Jesus? you follow Jesus? Uh, we're part of a priesthood together, representing And we're offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. What kind of spiritual sacrifices are you talking about? I, thanksgiving and praise. And, and sometimes 
praise and thanksgiving are hard. Because you're in something that's really hard. And, and God's sovereign, and He's good, and you've got to take it by faith. And I, God, I, I praise you that you're sovereign in this, but, but this hurts. But we're offering those kind of sacrifices. He continues. For this is contained in Scripture. And he's going to uh, paraphrase or quote Psalm 118, verse 22, and Isaiah 28, 16, intermittently here. It said, Behold, I have laid in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, ultimately fulfilled in Jesus. He who believes in Him will not be disappointed. Let me stop there. So I got involved in the Dorm Bible study my freshman year, went back and forth. A couple of guys actually came to faith and were getting baptized. This is February. And I said, well, I want to get baptized. And the guy said, well, man, we need to talk. And for like the umpteenth time, I heard the gospel. And I thought, yeah, I just got to decide. I, I've been doing this Bible study six months. Either the Word of God is true, and I'm going to follow it, or it's not, and I, I just need to get on. And that morning, I put my faith in Christ. But when I got baptized that afternoon, okay, this is February. It's College Station, Texas. Not as cold as Lincoln, Nebraska, but still pretty cold. I'm glad there was a guy there because the old man would have stayed down with the new man. But he, he pulled me up, and, and I shivered, and I gave my little testimony. And I went off back to my dorm room. Took a shower, finally got my body temperature up, and sat down to study, and was terrified. Oh, you weren't celebrating? No, I was terrified. Why? Because I had come to college to secure my livelihood. Ages 7 to 17, I think my dad held about eight different jobs. He couldn't get along with his boss. We moved three times. They would move again my sophomore year in college. I would stay at AM. And I, chemical engineering, what they said when I started was six jobs for every engineer, 12 if you're petroleum or chemical. That's what I need. I need a degree that will get me a job. And I have just taken the keys of my life and put them in the hands of Jesus. And I didn't know if that was a good idea or not. I shook that afternoon and thought, you fool. I want to tell you, 41 years later, I made a really good decision. Big picture, there have been moments, but big picture, I have not been disappointed. He has more, been more than enough to meet my needs for financial security. He has been more than enough to meet my needs for intimacy, and I could go on and on and on. And this is what Peter says, and I want to give an amen to him, that if you believe in him, you will not be disappointed. The precious value, then, is for you who believe. But there's a, another kind of person. There's a person that does not believe. But for those who disbelieve, this stone which the builders rejected. Remember, this is the precious stone of which we're going to build on. This is our cornerstone. This stone then became the very cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. For some people, it is a cornerstone on which they build with the house of God. The other, it's a stone in which people trip over on their way to God. It becomes a stumbling block. For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word, and to this doom they were also appointed. You reject that. There is a doom. There is no stopping that process. All right. How many of you remember chicken pox before the vaccine? How many of you can, can remember that? Okay, so here's how it goes. Or this went in my family. Yeah, you were warned. Okay, if it gets in, da 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 So... My older brother gets it. And I'm watching him. But you know what that means? You know, it, it was inevitable. You know what it means? 
I'm getting it. And then my little brother got it. it just, you, couldn't, you couldn't stop it until a vaccine came along. See, that's the inevitability of judgment. We can't stop it until Jesus comes along. And if these people are going to reject that zone, then, then, then they're in line. They're in that process. They're going to face the judgment of God. So, with that in mind, Peter is now going to speak to the church, and he's going to speak to our purpose, and he's going to speak to our mission. Here's what he has to say. For you, church, collectively, plural you, you are a chosen race. So there is a group of people that God has said, and he said to you and me who believe, you're, you're, you're my choice. I'm working with you. I'm working through you. These are Old Testament terms taken either from the book of Exodus or the book of Isaiah. A royal priesthood. Now, if we see Britain, we don't have royalty here, but we see in Britain you're born into the family. You're, you're just born. You're, you're, you're royalty. If you're, if you're a child, child of God, you're royalty. And not only that, you're a priesthood. You, you remember I talked about what a priest does. He stands between humanity and God. Uh, a holy nation. Again, a group of people. Holy is set apart. A people for God's own possession. God says, that's mine. Talk about our older son. He was born in Chile. And so when he was in the nursery, there was like 12 or 15 babies in there because of his coloring. We could look in there and go, yeah, that's our child. <laughs> the, the Latins are darker and they're born with this shock of black hair. And Chris was bigger than any of them and he was white and he didn't have any hair. And it was kind of like, yeah, that's, that's ours. That's what God said. You're my, you're my people. That, that's quite a privileged position that we, not, not us individually, but we collectively have. Why has God given us this? Here we go. So that you together may proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. That's our purpose together, being built together on the cornerstone. That we may proclaim Him who called us out of darkness into light. Look, you were once not a people. But now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, and now you have received mercy. See, we're wrestling with our, our mission. Remember, we, remember that I did around? It was a life-saving thing, and now it's a sporting event. We don't want the church to go that way. So we're asking, what's our mission? Here's what Peter would say. Growing as a spiritual community, we're to reflect God's greatness. Growing as a spiritual community, together, we are to reflect God's greatness. We're to put the spotlight on Him. Now, as a church, we've come to our own derivation of that, saying we're called to be Christ in our community. We want to reflect Him well. That ultimately, God might use that to draw people out of darkness to Himself. You might look around and go, golly, Andy, you know, I mean, there's some good folks here, but there's, man, there's probably a pretty, pretty normal group of people. And God's going to use this bunch to, to draw people out of darkness into light. So when I swam in high school, my junior year, 
I was all conference. Our team that junior won conference like for the, I don't know, about the eighth year in a row. And we finished seventh in state. And this was in the Chicago area. There's probably 100 teams that swam. And you thought, man, Andy, you must have been pretty good. It was pretty good. Well, if I gave you my times in high school and, uh, and you knew swimming, you'd find out I was quite average. Quite average. Well, how'd that happen? We had two guys on that team. One was, I was a junior. One was a senior. One was a sophomore. They were high school All-Americans. So I was all-conference on a relay. It was a medley relay, and I had the leadoff leg. And, and it was close. We were a little bit ahead. But we were anchored by one of these high school All-Americans. We won, going away. Conference meet. These guys won two events apiece. They go to state. One guy was a state record holder. They finished top three in their events. We were seventh in state because we had a couple studs. <laughs> we won conference going away because we had a couple guys who were awesome. And it made the rest of us mediocre people pretty good. we got a stud as a church at the cornerstone. we got somebody who's awesome. And, and you may be pretty mediocre, and I'm even more mediocre than you are. And, but you know, that's okay. Because at the root of this thing, we got Jesus. So if we're being built in a spiritual house with him as a cornerstone, he said, I'll do it. If we'll be committed to growing as a spiritual community, knowing your purpose is to reflect me. And so we've seen... Three components we've talked about. The first is grow. I don't think it can be any more clear than it is in this passage. Peter says grow in your understanding of salvation. That, that's a lifelong process. It's an internal process. Second thing we talk about is connect. Please, if you get anything out of this, these use are plural use in this thing. This is not in, in the, addressed to an individual. This is to people. And third is to serve. Our purpose is to serve the community. We don't exist for ourselves. We exist for non-members. It, it makes us different. Most organizations, they, they, they exist for the membership. We, don't, we, we exist for the people who are not members or who are not attenders right now. But they would come in a dark day. And they're involved in, in stuff like envy and slander and malice. Because why? Because they're trying to get their worth. They're trying to get their life in here. Being Christ in our community, living on mission, living on purpose. That's what we're called to do. You know, as a kid, um, my parents would take us to see um, plays. And at the end of the, the play, they, they would finish and the curtain would drop. And then the cast would come out. And you'd get the people who were, had more minor parts. They'd come out and, and then they'd step back. And then the more major parts would come. And finally, the, your, your, your star, your, your one or two people would come out. And they'd all take a bow. And then they'd step back. And then who steps up? Well, the director does. The man or woman who directed the play. And all the cast members kind of point this way. This is the one who led us. This is the one who got here. Do you understand that's our mission as a church? God's given us gifts and abilities, and that's great. But we're using them to focus on Jesus. What's our mission? Here's the deal. We're growing as a spiritual community that we might reflect the greatness 
of God. Let me pray. Our Father in heaven, we are grateful that you are who you are. And you are our cornerstone. You are the one that gives us reason. And, and we're, we're pretty average, but you're pretty great. And you were at the, the foundation of, of who we are. Lord, would you work in spite of our mediocrity um, to draw people to yourself? It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, before we close with a song, I want to invite Cody Gerke to come on up. Um, if you were here last week, you know this is Cody's last Sunday. Um, he is taking a position as the college pastor at Lincoln Berea. Um, you know, this has been a process. We've talked this through. just felt like it was God's leading. Uh, Cody served here almost four years, and he served really well. Um, for me, and I think this would be true for many of our staff, my, my first um, layer of relationships is, is my wife and my two sons. That next layer is our staff team. That'd be Cody, be Daniel, Jared's around here. Why don't you guys come on up? Uh, and then there's Lindsay Harms and, and Mandy Manichat. And we, we reflected uh, just a week or 10 days ago maybe on the pandemic. And I, and I told these five people, you guys got me through this thing. So um, with him leaving, this is a deal. This is hard. But what makes it quite a bit easier is he's going across town and not out of state. And uh, so we'll miss him. He served well. But we're excited for this. He is going to minister to college students. Um, we feel like College students are the next generation. They're our leaders, and so we think it's a, he's a good fit, but it's a really worthwhile ministry. Now, to keep it short, I'll say two things about Cody. So Ashley was here for service. She took the kids home, so it's just Cody. But uh, I'd, I'd say these two things about Cody. Uh, as I said, this, this, is, this team is like a family, but when you're called to um, lead, you, you need to hold people accountable. And what makes that really easy or really hard is the character of the person. And if it's a person of integrity, I don't have to be wondering, wonder what's going on. Cody's a person of integrity. Okay? I say that without doubt. There were times he called me, hey, Andy, just so you know, this is going on. That's one of the things that made him such a good, great member of our team. Second thing I'd say about this. When we recruit him, when we think about adding somebody to our team, we think about that judiciously and carefully. And maybe after we talk about theology and ministry philosophy, um, the last question we ask is, okay, we're going to, as a team, we're going to Honest Aid, we're going to Da Vinci's, wherever we're going, and we're having lunch together. Do we want this person at the table? Do we enjoy them? The answer with Cody is emphatically yes. In fact, if he's running a few, it wasn't this way, but it, it, hypothetically, if he's running a few minutes late, we'll wait. We'll wait. So that's why. Sending him's hard, but we're excited for what he has. So I've got a couple of the elders up here, and... Um, if you'd pray with me, we'll uh, pray to send him out God's favor as he goes. So, Lord, it is a, um, a heavy heart. Uh, this is somebody I and we have shared a lot together these last almost four years. But we feel like you're in this. Your hand is on this. And, and we think he is um, more than qualified, more than called uh, because of you and his life and the way you've gifted him. So we want to ask for your favor. And, and there's a whole world to reach. There's a world that's in darkness. And uh, we think ministering to college students is a really good thing. So would, 
would you uh, give him your favor? I ask for him as he makes a transition to a new team. I ask you to raise up friends. I ask you to raise up a family like he's raised up here in, in, in our youth ministry among his college. That, that, that would attract people. That would draw people. Um, pray for uh, Ashley and, and Phoenix and Xander as they go with them, and, and they'll feel this transition too. Would you favor them? Pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.